0: You're listening to the Detox and Chill podcast with Megan Dillon and Beck Benyon. We're two millennial women in the corporate world juggling wellness in a fast-paced lifestyle. On this podcast, we're breaking down wellness into digestible episodes that fit into your weekly routine.
1: We're on this journey with you, learning from wellness and lifestyle experts in their fields. From our lighthearted banter, what's the appropriate amount of time to go between shaving our licks? to getting deep about everyday struggles like hormones, societal norms, and gut health, we're your podcast besties.
0: Disclaimer, no late night texts needed to detox and chill. Hi everyone. Before we get into the recording, we just wanted to remind you about our LA event that's coming up in June. It's June 15th in Los Angeles, well technically Santa Monica at Luna Showroom. So Luna Showroom is this amazing Luxury bougie lingerie pajama company, and their space is decorated like a bedroom, and it's beautiful. It's white. It's so fun. um So our event is going to be there in Santa Monica. We're going to have so many amazing things the day of. We're going to have an awesome panel discussing female sexuality, fertility, libido, and the meaning of sexual confidence. So it's going to be a great event. We have an amazing. Panel of speakers, including Colleen Baxter from Foria Wellness, Candace Birch, who is our favorite hormone health educator, Carla Romo, who is a dating and relationship coach. She's been on the podcast as well, as well as Lauren Zelensky, who's a midwife and um, a sexual, women's sexual health expert. So we're so excited. We're going to have CBD mocktails. We're going to have chocolate. We're going to have great food. We're going to have energy readings. We're going to have Facial massages, and we're gonna have some cool stuff from Lauren B. Beauty. So, get your tickets. Link in the bio of our Instagram. We're partnering with the beautiful Jess sukan of Body Bliss by Jess. Um, So, yeah, go get your tickets. You can get a VIP ticket for an upgraded goodie bag, or you know, just get your VIP ticket, or you can get a general admission ticket. That's fine too, but you'll probably want the VIP. So we'll see you in a month in L.A. Okay, bye. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We're so excited to have our guest on today. Um, Billy Bosch, he's the founder of Iconic Protein, um, which is one of our new favorite protein powders. Um, we talk a lot about balance and having plant-based um, protein, and this is actually um, animal protein, which you know, we're very picky about when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, But iconic protein checks off all of our boxes. Um, So Billy, welcome.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. So let's just start out with your story. So how did you become a founder? How did you get into the entrepreneurial space?
2: Great question. Uh, I I feel like many of those who go down this path can identify with this not being part of the plan. I, I didn't really intend to, to necessarily go out and, and start some company. For me, it actually started with a personal uh, health crisis. We'll call it, you know, some people have like a, a quarter-life crisis these days. For me, it was a quarter-life health crisis where I, I found myself, even though I was working out almost every day, uh, with chronic heartburn and high cholesterol in my mid-20s. And I'm thinking, how is this happening? I think yeah, this is something our parents should get. And so I go, you know, I'm talking to the doctor and the doctor says, it, it's pretty simple, like your your diet's really bad, working out doesn't simply offset all of this. And and look, it was more a convenience thing. I found myself eating out of airports because I was on the road a lot for work, eating restaurant food, eating fast food from time to time, and, and just not having time to meal prep or, or find the healthy food that I, I, I knew I actually needed. And she says, hey, you know, take a couple of pills every day and you should be fine. Mm. And, I, you know, I thought, why should I have to take pills every day, especially this early on? Mm-hmm. And then I thought to go see a, a dietitian by the name of Molly Kimball in New Orleans, uh, where I was living at the time. And I said, hey, Molly, I'm supposed to be taking these pills every day. <laughs> Do you think there's another way? And she said, of course, you don't need that. Like, just It's pretty simple. More protein and fiber less calories and sugar, the protein and the fiber are actually going to fill you up. A lot of people have this stigma that proteins, you know, it's for working out or Mm -hmm. it's for gaining weight or muscle mass or something. But really, protein is one of the fundamental building blocks of of satiety and filling you up. Uh, And so I said, great, just tell me what to go by because I'm a busy guy. Maybe you didn't hear. Don't have time to mix all this stuff up on my own every day. And she kind of rolled her eyes and said, well, sorry, I can tell you what to mix, but there's no drink I would recommend. They taste horrible. Um, They've got tons of sugar in them to the tune of 30 to 60 grams of sugar. uh, And they're just like, it's not very good. And so I went back to her and said, Hey, I know this sounds like a crazy idea, but would you help me like develop a product which you see as the perfect, you know, protein drink that would really serve more to, to, you know, fill people up and, Really tied them over between meals, uh, so that they can make better decisions, so that I can make better decisions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, before I, I make a you know a decision out of hunger, that's the wrong one. Mm. And she says, "Who are you again? And have you started a drink <laughs> company before?" <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, "How hard can this be?" And that was really the the start of iconic.
1: Hmm. I feel like I can think of five different ways to go just from your story. It's so interesting. But I think what I'd love to start with is kind of laying a little bit of a foundation for our listeners on protein in general. So, like for me as someone who definitely works out, but I when I think protein, I kind of think like bodybuilding or like intense fitness buffs. So I guess the first question I have is like what's the difference between your protein and a plant-based protein and like what, what um, benefits can it provide differently than a plant-based?
2: Yeah. Great question. I thought about that when I started the company and I started looking at different ingredients to source and I said, okay, let me order every different type of protein out there and try them all myself first. So I went through everything, uh, hemp, rice, uh, you know, dairy-based proteins, uh, that we use now, and 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 really anything you can imagine. Like I'm the guinea pig. I've tried them all, and I also looked at bioavailability in addition to taste. So so one thing that comes into play with bio bioavailability is the amino, amino amino acid profile. So you want to make sure that these proteins are uh, rapidly absorbable into the body. Because if they're not, then you know some some plant proteins you actually have to consume twice as much as another type of protein that has a, a more uh, complete amino acid profile so that it's not necessarily an accurate recommended daily allowance you may say you know i've got 20 grams of this protein and 20 grams of this when in actuality if the amino acid profile isn't complete then you have to consume potentially twice as much which would mean 40 grams so you know that two scoop two scoop serving turns into four scoops which makes it really unpalatable and what i thought was you know i, I want this to be effective and to taste good and to be from a clean source. How do I check these three boxes? Well, for me, um, when I look at the bioavailability aspect, um, certain animal proteins, we use the milk protein that we source from Ireland, and it's got a truly grass-fed certification. And one thing I would urge listeners to do is to to really understand where their ingredients are sourced from. Mm -hmm. Don't just take an organic stamp as like, oh, it's organic, it's safe not always the case. We've tested organic protein and sources. We've tested non-organic, we've tested non-GMO. There's a lot of variability in um, how these proteins come back in terms of testing for heavy metals or testing for pesticides, um, testing for hormones. And we test for all three of those. And it's it's really important to have uh, a certification that you can trust and a brand you can trust and understand where these things come from. And, and the other aspect is really taste. And when you, you know, mix all these ingredients with water and put it to a true, true taste test, not just mix it with, you know uh, your favorite, you know, milk uh, mm-hmm. source or other type of cream source and, and some sugar and berries and all this stuff and everything tastes great then. Um, but putting it to the true test, uh, a milk protein actually has a really smooth consistency. And that that's because it has a higher batch count, which makes, Basically, in, in layman's terms, it's, it's a fine consistency as opposed to a really rough, gritty consistency uh, because they're more about evolved. They've been around longer. Um, humans have been on these for a while and, 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 you know, consuming this. And with ours, it's actually lactose free as well, which I really like. Yeah. So you have lactose free, bioavailable. The taste is there. And a lot of people complain about protein drinks. They say, oh, I can't drink this. This is, you know, it's, it's really chalky in consistency. Yeah. And honestly, if it doesn't taste good, people aren't going to drink it. And, and so that was an important thing for us, too.
0: Yeah. And I think you bring up an important point about sourcing. Um, and one thing that we try and, you know, keep in balance as we, you know, talk to different wellness experts and health professionals is the fact of, you know, it, a product could look good on the outside. But if you get into the ingredients and they're sourced from a not great place, then it just ruins the whole the whole thing so I'm interested to find out how did you even start the process of looking for a farm that had grass-fed cows and how did you you know come upon the one in Ireland that you're sourcing from now?
2: Sometimes it starts with simple internet searches other times it, it starts with more complex uh, going to ingredient trade shows or going to calling around talking to different um, you know farms out there and, and you start to realize you know, what companies are, 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 buying cleaner supplies than others. And unfortunately, a lot of the, the supply we looked at in the U S is contaminated with pesticides and hormones or it's corn fed or soy soy fed. And I thought, you know, where have these cows been treated the best and where have they always been grass fed? And, and, you know, Ireland is one of those places where the cows have always, you know, been out on uh, raised in, in the grass and have been able to roam and, uh, it's just a better life and it's a more sustainable farming practice around uh, raising them than you'll find in other places and so i really appreciated that and then the other thing that they do was we found that at the plant when any batch of milk comes in it's tested for pesticides and hormones and if it if it if it tests positive for any added pesticides or hormones it's kicked out they don't even let it in for Mm. processing and it's actually the same plant that makes like carry gold and other grass fed really clean products. And, uh, you know, I, I really like that. I, I think that there's something to going there and looking at it and, and seeing this happen yourself and knowing that there's a company, um, that stands behind a truly grass fed certification that, um, that we can trust.
1: Yeah. I feel like it's sad, but true. And I feel like as I learn more and more, it's almost like a little bit scary what some labels are allowed to say um, versus what's actually in the product. So it's awesome that you've had that firsthand experience and really been able to find an awesome source for um, such a key ingredient in your product. Um, well, thank
2: you. And we're always looking at other sources. You know, as as we've explored protein sources, we've gotten into functionality, and mm-hmm. and, and you know we've got a a few different um products and and a plus line and i thought you know how can we and and really most of our product ideas are are from customers it's customer sourcing and and they'll say hey look we love your i love your product and i would love you know this ingredient or that ingredient or this and that's actually how we came up with the coffee flavor because Mm. people were blending the vanilla with their coffee as creamer Mm. and we thought why not just make a version with uh, a couple of cups of real coffee in it. So our cafe latte has 180 milligrams of caffeine. So you get the coffee with it. And then we've gotten into like a, a coconut and matcha. So coconut cream and matcha green tea. So that's energizing. And then we've got mm-hmm. a restorative one that's more turmeric and ginger, but with all these ingredients with the turmeric and ginger and the, um, you know uh, the matcha and the coconut cream, it's, it's, it gets more intricate with the sourcing and understanding you know how turmeric, for instance, is is grown sustainably, and what countries are, are less prone to uh, higher, you know, heavy metal levels, and who who's you know sourcing can you trust? It's 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 a lot of work, uh, and it's it's a lot more complex than I ever thought it would be. But it's rewarding to to, to find the sources uh, when you when you are able to do that.
1: Yeah, no, it's really refreshing to hear that um, coming from you, and. So I want to back up a little bit. So when this all started, you were still in New Orleans. Um, yes. So So you're obviously in Santa Monica now. Can we bridge the gap? So, you know, you had this great idea and obviously you're doing amazing now, but would love to hear kind of the trajectory of the company.
2: Thank you. And what I'll say is, as a as a guy that's Louisiana born and raised, and grew up in Baton Rouge, and and spent you know ten years uh, living full time in New Orleans, and, and still live there part time. Uh, one of the pl- one of the amazing things about New Orleans is crazy things can happen there, <laughs> and 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 I'm yep. sure a few things come to mind, right? But but one of the things that I found is that New Orleans is one of the best places to start a business. The ecosystem around uh, the entrepreneur community there is, is really strong. And we had a few different groups in New Orleans. So when I just had this idea, uh, I went to a place called the Idea Village, which I'm like, this is perfect. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't I go here? And I pitched my idea and I said, I've got this idea for this new product and here's what it's going to do. And here's why I think it's going to change the world and fundamentally change the human diet for the better. And they said, great. Where do we buy it? <laughs> and I said oh no no no! it's an idea like that's why I came here that's I think this the is I the idea
0: village <laughs>
2: yeah of course well where else would I go and so they say no 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 we help businesses that's just kind of a creative name but so we can't try it I'm like no and well what's behind this well I've got a dietitian that's helped me develop the formula and and it's okay so one of the guys says I know her and he kind of didn't believe me. So I found out after I left, he called her cell phone and said, are you really working with this guy? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, yeah, I am. I just met him, but yeah, I'm going to help him out. <laughs> and, and so they took me into this incubator program that was, you know, the goal was really to grow a business uh, out of an idea, right? For uh, you know, A lot of other people, it was more helping their businesses grow. But for me, it was like, how can I get this from concept to product samples and a trademarkable name? within six months. And wow. they, took, they took the idea on that condition. And I said, sure, I'll make this happen. And then I, I, I'm like, wait, how is this going to happen?
0: Yeah, six <laughs> so, months. I feel like that's not oh, a very long time.
2: It's, it's not. It, it went by really quick. <laughs> and uh, there, were, there were some scary moments where about halfway through, we didn't have a trademark and the samples weren't coming along and the formula wasn't quite there yet. And it was just, it was really challenging to, to, to get through, but luckily we had the support of a few different entrepreneurs and residents there that helped us through those tough times. And mm-hmm. uh, beyond that, there were a few other resources there, uh, namely some, some business plan competitions. Uh, there's a, a, a few different competitions. I was lucky enough to win uh, with the help of not only the Idea Village, but also um, a group named the New Orleans Bioinnovation Center. And these guys have a whole commercialization team with the goal being to help commercialize ideas and, and for different businesses in the city of New Orleans. And so, you know, between those resources, I was able to raise a, a few hundred thousand dollars from business planning competitions. I wow. took out a loan early on that they helped out with. And so, you know, this really seed funded the, the start of the business. And, uh, you know, one of the challenges that came with that was, was launching a product and getting people to, to to kind of have that high level of receptivity. And for, for me, it wasn't necessarily customers that we had an issue with. It was more the buyers that said, hey, look, you know, people in Louisiana buy a couple of things, oil and sugar being two of the main ingredients, and mm-hmm. your product doesn't have much of either one.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know why we put it in our well... store. And I said, well, you know... <laughs> maybe give it a try and after a while we were able to you know build some traction and and get more stores and you know the move to santa monica really came from a a challenge from a fundraising standpoint and when i i tried to find additional capital to to grow the business and what people don't understand is is some people say oh well you know if your business you know is is the right you know type of business model you shouldn't have to do that and you should be you should be able to self-fund it or bank finance it and what a lot of people don't understand is the upfront cost of growing quickly in the natural food space can be very expensive. You know, right. uh, paying to get on store, store shelves, gaining distribution, paying for inventory in advance, buying ingredients in, in, in advance, all these other things, like, it's not that easy. So mm-hmm. what I found in California um, was more access to capital, right? And not, mm-hmm. not only that, industry talent, there's just a, a really big natural food scene on, you know, in Los Angeles and specifically the west side of LA. That's, that's really been beneficial for our business
0: yeah that's that's amazing and so you completed this whole process in six months. Did you live up to your goal?
2: So we had samples to test you know I'd say we because there's a community behind us helping mm-hmm. me um, we had we had samples for people to try that were generally pretty safe to drink
0: <laughs> <laughs> generally
2: and, and yeah, generally. And the idea was there's actually a competition that's held in New Orleans during New Orleans Entrepreneur Entrepreneur Week, where you go on stage and and you're eligible if you make it up to like called the top you know three or four companies, um, and you're pitching to a crowd of thousands of people, some of which are drinking because it's in an alley near a casino, in, <laughs> and, and you know downtown New Orleans, and it's a crowd voting or if. You know, you're going to win this pop, you know, this competition with a top prize of fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And so we handed out samples and and let people try the product. And uh, you know, we're lucky enough to to make it on stage and didn't win that competition, but came pretty close. And that really got things going. But that competition and the end of the program pushed us to come up with, you know, tasting samples of the product. Now it was a whole mm-hmm. another uh, challenge to figure out how to get liquid into a bottle, which seems simple in premise, but in practice is a bit more complicated <laughs> because you're dealing with, do I buy a production line? Do I go to a co-packer? Where mm. do I find this? Where do, mm. I, where do I source everything? Do I go refrigerated or shelf-stable? And when I, when I started to look at the, the shelf life of a refrigerated product versus the shelf life of a shelf-stable product, and you know these, that's something that's popular in other countries, not, not as much here quite yet. The, the waste is much, much lower. You know, a right. lot of the stuff in the cooler, it expires and it goes in the trash. Mm-hmm. So creating products that have a longer shelf life without any preservatives was a really big, you know, big thing for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I read an article today when we were doing our research that after you moved to Santa Monica, you were able to raise $8 million, which is insane. So kind of like walk (laughs) us through that process. How did you, I know, I'm sure you went to tons of investor meetings. How did you kind of get your foot in the door once you moved to Santa Monica? Um, Because I mean, I feel like, at least from what I understand, the LA culture is a little bit like clicky like it's hard to kind of break through when you're first there so how did that whole process come to landing yourself with eight million dollars
2: <laughs> well it's it's funny to hear you say it and that's why I'm laughing it's 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 been a really long journey to get here and and if you would have told me when I started the company that that we'd be raising that much money I, I would have laughed at that mm-hmm. point as well <laughs> and and it's 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 I don't know it's a it's a wild ride on this whole in this whole world of raising money. It's almost like when you want to find the perfect job, you have to go on all these interviews, and it mm-hmm. goes on, and you got a lot of no's, and things that don't go anywhere, and things that seem like they will. And it, I, I identify with that because I've been in that that position a few times before this. And for me, fundraising, it's it's really about you got to knock on a lot of doors, you have to have a lot of conversations, and early on. The no's were around, hey, I just don't know about your business. You know, I've got money, but I don't know about, you know, healthy beverages per se or, or, you know, protein products or nutritional products or natural food products. And people turn you down or people ask a lot of questions. And what I actually found is some of the people that I met early on, investors in, in Louisiana, investors in Texas, investors in California, the people that actually put money into the company were people that, asked questions but asked more direct questions and they asked less questions Mm so i'll never forget there were there were a couple guys in texas that i met um that i'm not going to call out here but Mm -hmm. uh, and it's actually a good thing i don't think i don't even know if they would mind but i met them over drinks and we had exchanged like a deck over email and, and had a brief phone conversation and we met for drinks and talked about the product and they said great can we write a check today (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <I> said, what? <laughs> what? wait is that is that is that is this how that works, and for them that's how it worked wow. and that you know that that you know we did a seed round uh of about a million, and then we did this series A uh of eight million and mm. that uh, that road came from the seed round and and came from some of those investors that made some connections to other people and, and a lot of this is networking, it's talking to people, figuring out who's actually writing checks and who just asked questions. Uh, mm-hmm. Figuring out who the right partner is not, you know, the right partner doesn't just write a check right partner is there for you you know when things go south and they are, they inevitably do at some point you know, it's as a, as many people can you know attest to this this is a roller coaster ride mm-hmm. and having the right investors goes a long way and for us it's a group named Carp Riley that has invested in in restaurant groups have invested in several consumer brands and you know what I really liked about them is um, you know, I felt like they, they asked the right questions. We actually had some issues right when we were about to close a deal with them, which like I, they could have quite frankly just walked from the deal
1: mm-hmm. and left
2: us in a pretty tough position. But they said, hey, that's why we're getting involved. We know these issues are gonna come and we're here to help you. And I'm like, wow. these guys are the right partners. This is who I want to be partnered with. Mm-hmm. And in and, and advance of that, I actually got connected Uh, funny enough by one of the larger beverage companies out there that said, Hey, you know, if if there's one thing you can do to grow your business, move out to California, the markets here, it's ripe for this type of drink. Uh, there's a lot of investor money out here and there's, there's just a whole bunch of benefits. And, and I was kind of surprised that that was the one piece of information. That's really large beverage company said, you know, that, that was the one pearl. And so when I moved out, they said, Hey, we'd love to introduce you to someone. And I said, sure. And they said, come on up to the office. So I'll go meet with them. And they've got an office outside of L.A. And, and they introduced me to a guy named Bill Moses, who was the uh, co-founder and CEO over at a kombucha company named Kavita. And they, that company had just been acquired. And they said, hey, he's looking for something to do now.
1: Oh, <laughs> but, wow.
2: Um, and he says, well, I don't know anything about protein. Why would I want to get involved in this type of drink? And I said, it's not about protein. It's about resolving hunger. And how can we improve the human diet? And so we talked for a few hours and really hit it off. And he wound up coming on as the chairman of our board. He put a little bit of money in himself. He helped kind of court some of these investors and, and mm. kind of walk me through that process because this is all new for me. I'm, I'm learning as we go. Yeah. And he had already kind of climbed the mountain. And uh, so having the right people around you, whether it's investors or advisors or board members and, and really the team, the team, oh, my gosh, day to day. The people that keep this thing going um that's i i you know i heard the, the ceo of netflix speak last year and he said that one of the reasons they're so successful is he runs netflix like a sports team and he says look we're going to the super bowl and if people aren't performing they're out of the job and if they're in the job then they have job security mm-hmm. as long as they perform mm-hmm. and i that really resonated with me um and i know that in, in the last year our team has grown kind of quadrupled in size and the people that are performing are driving the business, and those are the people that provide job security for everybody else, and and they have a good time here at the same time. So I, I think that the human being aspect is often underrated when it comes to, to growing a company that, that can really, like, you know, do well and provide an impact.
1: Yeah, and I think... I'm curious how the transition has been. So starting this thing from the ground up, right, and you being so involved in every single decision to now having a board of directors, having a team of 40, how has that transition looked like? Because I know, you know, from where Beck and I sit right now, we're so involved in the day to day that sometimes we talk about like, how could we let go of X, Y, and Z and, you know, trust someone else to run it the way we would. So can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Oh, it's so, <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard. It's as hard as you think it'll be. And and look, some, not everyone would agree with that statement, I'm sure. But for me, uh, I've, I've always been so involved in every aspect of the business. But I'll tell you, it's been really comforting to find people that know more than I do, mm-hmm. that have, have climbed the mountain, that have built brands. Uh, I've got a, a fantastic COO, Mariah, who came from Coco, and she was there early on and helped you know, scale their you know operations and supply chains out of their business and to have somebody like that for example uh, that has actually scaled a business and knows what it looks like and knows the problems you face and knows how to handle those problems i'm i'm just handing it over <laughs> here are mm-hmm. the keys drive don't check i mean she checks with me but i'm like you don't even need to check with me i trust you but to have people that can work alongside you that that know what needs to be done has been one of the most liberating things for me because, uh, in the years of starting this business, it's a lot of stress when you're on your own, right. and it, it gets lonely when you're, you're you know when you're running out of money and people don't want to write checks and stores don't want to take your product because the, no no store has an empty shelf space they don't you don't right. go in and they say hey I've got all this empty shelf space I'm so <laughs> right. glad you came here thank you for coming I was wondering what was going to go on this shelf yeah <laughs> you know, I owe you a huge favor they say no. I, you have, why would I put you on here? I got a whole store full of stuff and I got 10 other people that want this spot. And so there's, there's a lot that goes into that. And uh, again, finding these people and it seems like it'd be hard to turn over uh, certain tasks, but once you see that, that human beings are capable, not only capable, but capable of doing the job better than you can, it becomes much easier for me to turn that over and say, run with it. And I like giving people, I want to give people autonomy. Uh, mm-hmm. I I, cr- I really crave that in, in other positions with, with jobs I had in the past. And I got frustrated when people would micromanage. So yep. my management style is much more hands off. I say, look, like, you know, call me if you need me, but run with it.
0: Right. Yeah, that's super interesting. That trust factor, I think, is huge. And to your point, I mean, when you find those people I think it becomes much easier to be able to hand over things like, so, you know, we've been thinking about expanding our team and we just added somebody. Um, and when we found the right person, we're like, Oh yeah. Okay. This makes sense. This is totally fine. Everything's going to be okay. We can trust her with whatever we need. And before, when we were going through the process, we found a couple people, but we're like, eh, we wouldn't really trust this person with our baby. um, So I think that's a a, a very important point to find those people, like you said, who know more than you, who would do a better job than you and surrounding yourself with those people is so key. Um, So on the podcast as well we love to be kind of real and honest with people because we know that life isn't all just butterflies and rainbows um so I would love to kind of get your perspective was there a- ever a time in this process where you're like no I can't do this anymore we're done like I'm gonna go back to my corporate job um this is over was there a point that you thought that
2: so is the question, was there a point or how many points were there? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, believe I think that there answers it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, there's. It, it's, I guess it's hard to explain and articulate what this feels like. I, I think you two can identify with this, but it's something about when when you start – a business and you have these ups and downs that become they're kind of slow rolling hills at first and then it turns into more of a roller coaster with these nose dives and then your truck <laughs> climbs up and you're you are still just like bracing yourself but then you start to get used to it and mm-hmm. the the roller coaster doesn't really change but once you've been on the roller coaster a few times you know what's coming and you mm-hmm. say even if it's in the dark I, I know I know there's something coming somebody ready for it and it, it starts to be something that you can live with, and something that you can sometimes even look forward to. You know, obviously, when it as it relates to the, the positives versus the negatives, and it's something that um, a, a strong team has helped with. But I've I've thought many times about that. I, it's funny. I, I'll never forget. I was on a plane uh, to New York uh, to go meet with uh, a few different distributors to try to convince them to carry our product and have them convince me that they shouldn't carry it mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and call on some stores and run around the city by myself. And I met a woman uh, that worked on behalf of a few different brands and marketing. And she said, you know, if if you came to work for a company like us, you could probably make a half million dollars a year. And oh I said, uh, "Excuse me, I need another drink. What? What? <laughs> uh, is this a joke?" And she's like, "No, no, no. I mean, you've got skills. You've learned a lot. Started this company, and uh, you've got some experience before that. You should totally move up. Move up here. There's a. I've got an opening on my team. You could come. Just come work for me." <laughs> I'm oh thinking. And, and she asked me. She said, "I know this sounds like a cool product. Sounds like a little passion project you have, but doesn't have any real traction. Do you guys have money? Do you? What's going on with it?" what's your door count, all these other things. And I'm thinking, look, we're just getting started, but, but this is my passion. At yeah. that point you start to think, do I trade in my passion for money? Like mm-hmm. what, what's the balance there? And, and, and I think, you know, for some people, the answer could be money. If you need the money or if the passion project can, can stay a side hustle for me, at that point I was all in. And I mm-hmm. said, I've already started to, to go down this road I wouldn't forgive myself if I didn't see this through, at least to, to figure out if I could do this. Mm-hmm. There is that bit of self-doubt that you want to address and, and see if you can kind of climb the mountain. So I thought, like, let me go this path and, and see. And that was one of the instances that really stood out to me uh, that, that I, I really considered leaving. And I really considered, should I, should I just make the jump and, mm-hmm. you know, go do something else?
1: yeah talk about like a dangling carrot I feel like I don't know I feel like when things get tough that sometimes when like the universe will throw out these like amazing temptations that seem like exactly what you want but um I don't know I feel like those are the times that you have to stick it out and really go with your gut so props to you for sticking it out
2: well, thank you. I still wonder if it's if, if that situation was actually real. It's one of those things where you look back and you think that I imagine this because one of those flights where I somehow got bumped to first class, and I don't even fly that much, but I'm like, oh, this is great news. But I get bumped, and and this woman is is like offering me a job and <laughs> uh, having champagne, and then we get off the plane. Here's my card. Let me know. If, and I'm. I'm thinking, this can't be real. Like, is this yeah. some kind of test the universe is putting in front of me that's as to whether I really want to pursue this passion project or not?
1: Right. So it's,
2: it's, yeah. You have those moments.
1: That, that's truly wild. Um, yeah. So, admit amidst this roller coaster ride, right, that, you know, rolling hills that have changed to a roller coaster. And given your company is really a wellness company, how do you, like, what's your kind of wellness routine? How do you make time um, for yourself and make sure that you fit that in?
2: I think of, and I've struggled with this, about how do I address, the physical needs of my body to stay in shape and to stay maintained versus this, this need to just get so much done and mm-hmm. the working world personally with family and friends and all these commitments that you make that you may or may not be able to keep. And I think of physical fitness and just, you know, body maintenance, like brushing your teeth. And what I mean by that is how many days would you go not brushing your teeth? <laughs> <laughs> how many hours would you go right mm-hmm. and so for me it's not an optional thing I just think like I've got to wake up I've got to go to the gym I've got to do I went and did yoga this morning I did a sculpt class at, at 7 a.m at core power and, and it
0: <laughs> it's
2: great but it beat me up <laughs> oh yeah it, it it was it was something that uh, you know I walk out of there and I feel fantastic or I'll go lift weights or I'll go for a jog or I will go. I like to try different workouts around here, Pilates or whatever it may be, even, even stuff that, you know, I'm the only guy in the room and people kind of look at me funny. Hey, no but, shame. Hey, I'm here. I got to try this out. <laughs> yeah, no shame. And for me, that's something that has really had a positive impact on my productivity, on my mood. Uh, meditation works into that. So I'll go to the gym. Uh, and do some type of workout whether it's a yoga studio or a gym or whatever it may be and I'll, I'll come home i'll shower i'll meditate um i'm fasting right now so i do this whole intermittent fasting thing mm-hmm. i'm sold mm-hmm. on the health benefits of that by the way uh longevity and re- reduced risk of heart and cancer and all these other diseases and oh, okay. uh so for me yeah so for me, that's a whole nother subject here. That's yeah a whole, a whole other conversation episode, right <laughs> yeah and and so I'll, I won't really put anything in my body until around 11 a.m. So I'll, you know, I'll clean up, I'll meditate for 10, 15 minutes. I'll go to the office and get some work done. And for me, I think about in that time between leaving the gym and heading home, I think about like, what's, what's one thing that I can do that's really impactful for the business this morning. I know I'm the most creative in the morning and I'm, and that's when I like to solve problems. And for a while, I would get in this habit of let me go to emails and, do emails and, and work, 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 work. And then whatever's left of me, I'll bring to the gym in the afternoon or the evening. And then I got to go do that. And then I go cook dinner. And it's, it's a it's kind of a messy way for me to handle the day. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I'm much more effective and productive. If I get the work I've done in the morning, I handle one or two things, keep my phone away from me in the morning. I try not to take meetings in the morning. It's more about what, tasks can I really accomplish for the business? And then I'll do admin emails and meetings and and things like that in the afternoon and then come home, have a dinner of some sort, hopefully something healthy that I've meal prepped.
0: uh, (laughs) and,
2: uh, And then, you know, call it a night.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important to kind of figure out when you're most productive as far as, you know, different uses of your brain, different uses of your time. And the fact that you're able to pinpoint that the mornings are your time to kind of create and take time for yourself is really important. Um, so I think leading by example is, is kind of key here. So I'm assuming that um, the culture at Iconic Protein is similar to um, what you're talking about with your routine. So how have you translated that um, with your employees?
2: Great question. For us, culture has really been at the center of of team building. Uh, we, We hire based on cultural fit. And what I mean by that is it's not that everybody has to be like us. Everybody on our team is very different. Uh, they can all attest to that. We had a, a, you know, a full crew in the office today, and, and you know, half of our team is is remote around the U.S. They're in sales and they're leading the charge out there. And then we've got marketing and supply chain and some other functions here at the office, uh, which is some co-working space in Santa Monica. And we'll do, you know, a retreat a few times a year. And one of the things that, you know, there's a few things that that we all that I look for in these retreats. And you know, I want people that enjoy being there. I want people that want to do things that are physically active. Uh, so we'll do something outside, go on a hike, go on a nature walk, do, do something. Uh, we did one in Breckenridge. So we went skiing for a day and then we had kind of a team huddle and we, we say, what's working, what's not working. Talk about what we want to accomplish personally throughout the year, what we want to accomplish professionally and just gain alignment, you know, talk about mm-hmm. gratitude, talk about what's, you know, why we're all here, find your reason. You know, if you don't have a reason to be here, let me help you go somewhere else, because I want mm-hmm. you
0: to
2: to feel like you're providing an impact for not only yourself but society. and for us, we've got a, a bold mission. it's to to fundamentally change the human diet for the better and leave the planet in a better place uh, by what we're doing. so uh, that that's hard work. It's not easy. you know, like it comes down to packaging, it comes down to ingredient sourcing, it comes down to educating people online, educating people in stores it's it's there's no easy task so for for us it's about finding people that you actually want to be around and work with and have a positive attitude uh that are smart human beings that are creative problem solvers are great fit for our team because those people it's 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 a new problem every day and not everybody's prepared for that now it's Mm -hmm. it's hard to talk about but there's there could be a high turnover rate in an early stage companies like this and for us that That's happened uh, with the you know, past, call it five, six years since we've started hiring up. And it's not easy to have someone come and start and you build this relationship with them and then you realize it's not going to work and maybe they don't realize it or, or vice versa and they leave you unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. But it's something that's it's healthy for them and it's healthy for the business for that to happen sooner than later. And that's something that I don't know that we'll ever perfect, but we're working on Making it, you know, go a little bit smoother and, and trying to figure out if that fit uh, works early on. You know, we try to do a, a 30, 60, and 90-day check-in. And at 90 days, we say, hey, look, if you want to walk from this, no strings and past, go for it. If you want to stay, and at that point, it should be, for the employee, it should be a, a hell yes or a no. Mm-hmm. And if it's not a hell yes, like, time to go find something else.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I... I really appreciate what you said. So Beck and I both work full-time jobs and the podcast is, you know, our passion on the side outside of work. But just hearing you say, um, you know, after skiing, when you went through what do you want to accomplish professionally and what do you want to accomplish personally, I think that's huge. And I think that's something that is really, um, you know, a miss in a lot of corporate jobs is people kind of just look at you from a pure corporate Um, professional standpoint and don't really take into consideration the things that you are pursuing personally or what you want to accomplish there. Because I think, you know, when you're able to pursue both, that's really when you're the most successful. Um, And, you know, you don't get as resentful as an employee. You feel like people really are invested in, in the whole you um so that's really cool and really refreshing to hear you know that your company looks at it from that perspective
2: well thank you it's one of those things where i made this list of things i would do if i was in charge one day and that was one of them (laughs) yeah a culture that people wanted to be a part of to have unlimited vacation because everybody knows when you're 25 years old you have to use all your vacation for weddings and bachelor and bachelorette parties, <laughs> Preach. You don't actually go on vacation. <laughs> I said, why not just let people take off? What's the worst that could happen? Mm. And for us, it's, it's, it's been a, a productive experiment and it's one that we really haven't seen knock on wood. Anybody take advantage of us in that situation, because when people are, are bought into why they're here and mm-hmm. the impact they're making, they're conscious about when they leave and they're conscious about what they're doing and they're conscious about why they're here. So it's been a, a, a fun experiment. There's, there's plenty of other things that I've tried to incorporate that were on that list of, of one day, if I'm in charge, things will be different. And uh, I welcome ideas from our team members on a regular basis for uh, you know, how we can improve things and what we can do differently and um, how we can have fun.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at the time now. I can't believe it's already been like 45 minutes. So I want (laughs) to, um, wrap up here soon, but before we do, is there anything exciting in the works coming up for you guys? Any, you know, sneak peeks we can give our listeners?
2: Yeah, we can actually do a, a, maybe like a a live drop because by the time this airs, our newest flavor should have been just released. And, and it came, it, yeah, it came from the talking to customers and talking to everybody that's a believer and iconic. And they say, hey, I, like, wait, I talked to you two. And what are your favorite flavors?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's chocolate and coffee, yep. right? So we said, if, if one of them is coffee, we can explore more on that front. The number one seller is always chocolate. So why not iterate on chocolate and come up with a more functional version so we have? a cacao so unroasted cacao with some additional health benefits plus a daily dose of organic greens in Mm. the product that's coming out so that's ready to drink and you get the the chocolate fix Mm
0: -hmm. but you
2: also get the greens in with that and so you get a daily dose of vegetables and organic greens in with that and it's super super tasty so that Mm. one's going to be hitting stores and call it the next 30 days. So by the time this airs, it should be live online and, and in the market. But we're really excited about that. And that's part of our thought of, of how do we provide more functionality in a protein drink. Now, yep. if the protein drink that we create is meant to be a snack and to kind of tie people over mm-hmm. uh, so that you can make those better decisions later on in the day when you have those temptations, uh, whether it be the donuts or the pizza or just taking time to go find something healthy. Mm-hmm. What other functions can you get? And, and who doesn't want, you know, a few extra greens in their day?
0: Yeah, I, I'm all about that. I love efficiency wherever I can get it. So having a kind of a double dose of healthiness is always great. So that's so exciting. Um, so where can people find Iconic Protein? You know, what are the main stores that you guys are in? Um, and where can they find you on social media?
2: Thanks. So it's drinkiconic.com for our website. Drinkiconic is also the uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, of course. And in terms of finding the product, uh, you can find us on Amazon or Amazon Prime, so you can get us in two days.
0: Perfect.
2: (laughs) And and then in stores, we actually just launched in Whole Foods, Target, and Mm. select uh, CVS stores around the country. And and in addition to that all your favorite places <laughs> and we've, we've got a number of other regional grocery stores and national so we're in, in Safeway Albertsons nationwide uh and then other stores like Sprouts um H-E-B down in Texas uh Wegmans out your way Yeah, uh, they're a great partner of ours and so the uh, we you know we've got a store locator on our website so we're, we're generally speaking within about 10 minutes of call it 80% of the population in the U.S. so you should be able to find us somewhere and if you can't you can always drop us a DM on Instagram and we'll send you a sample pack if, you're, if you have super nice.
0: Amazing. Sounds awesome. <laughs> so everyone, um, go check out Iconic Protein if you haven't tried it already. Um, I know we got a message from your t- marketing team today about doing a giveaway. So we'll be posting that on our Instagram. So. Head to our Instagram for all of the details there. Um, and as always, you can find us at Detox and Chill Podcast on Instagram.com. Um, we have some fun events coming up. So check out our events page on our website. Um, and, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Rate and review. And we
2: we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks,